welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. Sorry about the gap. Last week I was away in Austria for a school program. I spent a couple days in Vienna and the weekend in Peierbach, which is this town. I guess it's considered part of the Alps, uh, about an hour south outside of Vienna. The normal programming that I usually have with a guest will return next week, but this week it's just going to be me about my trip to Austria. So it's actually, this is the second time I actually visited Vienna four years ago when I was studying in Berlin, but it it amounted to about two days, so it's a bit short, but I, I did get a taste and could already, in that short period of time, feel the legacy of the city, and it's a very deep legacy. You're going to get a bit of that, I think, in this episode, but I remember how striking it was, um, how striking I found the, uh, the, the paintings of, of Gustav Klimt at Schloss Belvedere, walking around the city center, and I really felt like I was retracing the, the footsteps of the great composers like Mozart, Beethoven, Strauss, um, on what could perhaps be an ordinary day for them walking around the town. And uh, during that time, we also took a train out into the countryside, and uh, this was around September, so and we're at that time looking out and seeing these uh, small farms and vineyards outside the city, and that semester I was taking, in Berlin, I was taking a course on the history of Central European classical music, and in the week before my trip, we had just covered Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony in class, which is Symphony Number no. 6 in F Major, Opus 68, for those of you who don't know at home or want to look it up. So when I looked out the window and I saw these, these beautiful greens, uh, green fields and blue skies of the, the Viennese countryside, I, I felt some sort of connection with Beethoven and his thought process and the feelings that he got because this is it hasn't changed much since then so it's probably what he saw maybe in a slower train but more or less what he saw when he when he was outside in the Viennese countryside and it's the the kind of connection that I felt was so profound in my studies in in Europe the you got the experience of seeing it and reading it in books and hearing about it in lectures, and then you, you see the real thing itself in actuality. Um, like in some classes we would, actually all the classes, yeah. I got sick of it actually at the at the end of my program, but we would learn about the Berlin Wall uh, time and time again. And then uh, I would walk past pieces of the Berlin Wall uh, on my way to the club or to a restaurant or whatever. but. Yeah, anyway, so it was last Tuesday, my uh, friend Michelle and I, uh, in my program, we decided to skip class on Wednesday and just get to Vienna a day early and check out the city and then make our way with the rest of the folks in our program to Pyrebuck, um for, for, the, uh, for the winter school that we had planned uh, It's part of our curriculum. And... Um, so we would be staying with my friend Peter, who we shared, uh, he was just living in an apartment, the same building that I was living in during my time in Lisbon, this two years ago. And 
it yeah it had been that long since I last saw him and he yeah, he was just gracious enough to let us spend a night at his home so that was beautiful and um we we took Polsky bus from from Wrocław Polsky bus for those of you who don't know is the major bus line in Poland as i understand and it's uh, it's quite well connected all over Poland and uh, into different parts of of Europe uh, with really good fares and the total came out to yeah about 16 US dollars round trip uh, that's a steal in my opinion but anyway um somehow it has a bit of a reputation but i've i've personally only had good experiences with polski bus so take that as you will if you're in if you're in poland uh, and you want to travel around i would highly recommend it it's the bargain way to go and we did end up sleeping in uh, to me I, I slept quite poorly on the bus usually i'm quite good about it but um, i didn't sleep that well on the bus we had a transfer in katowice which is in the southern part of of Poland and ended up arriving at 5:30 in the morning and actually to my surprise Peter uh, my friend who lives in Vienna was standing at the stop uh, as we arrived which is an incredible thing to do i if it was me i would have just told whoever was visiting me that i'd i'd open the door for them when they arrived that's way too early to wake up uh, so, but it was really nice. Uh, it's a huge, huge surprise that that Peter would meet us there at the station, and to me, it's a real show of character. You know, not not everyone would go to such lengths to to welcome a friend. So that was really, really nice of him to come meet us, and we we went to his place, dropped off our, um, our stuff at his flat, and we met his girlfriend, uh, Celine, who ended up showing us around the whole city center basically that day. Uh, the first thing we did was go with Peter to his university. Um, he had lectures that day. And the university, is, it's really incredible. It's uh, the Vienna University of Economics and Business. And it might be the most futuristic looking setting I've ever been to. Uh, it, it felt like a, a company campus, how, how that looks like in, uh, in Silicon Valley, like Google and Facebook. But uh, it's got that cutting-edge European design that seems to make everything that much more futuristic-looking, uh, to the point that every building looked like a spaceship. And it, the, the library, actually, it, it, inside, it reminded me like a level in Halo. So that was really cool. And also the, the Student Union building. Um, we had a coffee there um, later in the day. Um, it looked like that uh, big uh, Jawa scrap processing vehicle from Star Wars, from uh, from A New Hope, when R2-D2 and C-3PO arrive on Tatooine in the beginning. Um, if you can't tell, I'm excited about Star Wars next week. But uh, yeah, so after that, we went to the city center and we got breakfast at a place called Full Pension, which is a cafe that looks like, it looks like a, like a well-curated secondhand store with all the, all this, all kinds of furniture, all different random lamps and random pictures with mismatched frames all over the place. It's, it's quite nice. It's got a nice atmosphere and it's it's known for its employment of mostly senior citizens who do most of the work. Um, the other two got two slices of cake and coffee, but um, I had to do uh, the southern 
breakfast now that I was in the south that means a a pretzel with sweet mustard two white sausages and a clear beef broth and um and a uh, a small beer and it's what I was introduced to while I was in Munich and it's what I consider a good start of the day in the south of the german speaking world um after that we wandered some more we wandered through the museum quarter the political center of the city where the parliament is and the the city hall and uh, and all the the various christmas markets and then we met up again later with peter and uh, took a rest back at his flat before going to dinner and this was a highly recommended place called de vina de divan i think it was I'm not exactly sure how to say that divan or diwan however it is in urdu i guess because it's a pakistani buffet where you pay what you want at the end of your meal and so the place was, the place was like packed but somehow it felt like there's always enough space for everybody and you could just you just go claim a seat, you grab a plate, and you, you start going to town. At least I did. I had a heaping plate of rice, beef, potatoes, beans, um, and got one moved on to the the salad and uh, with flatbread, and they have this sweet um, dessert that they usually have at Indian Pakistani places. Um, I think it's made of rice. But anyway, it was delicious um, and satisfying. The atmosphere was, was very egalitarian. People looked like they're all from all walks of life from students to artists to travelers low income high income they're just it, it seemed like there was a place for everybody and these are the kinds of institutions that the ones that bring people together through food that i really enjoy they used to do this thing at university where they every thursday they gave out free indian food at the co-op and everyone would have conversations uh, everyone's in at universities uh, to get free food so it was a very nice thing to do every thursday and this reminded me of that time and uh, so we went out uh, back to P peter's place and knocked out really hard because we hadn't had any rest since five in the morning and uh, the next morning after breakfast, uh, we met up with our friends from the program at the train station and started making our way to Pyrebach. Uh, the train ride there was really fun because everybody was acting goofy from the lack of sleep because they had arrived at five in the morning that morning. So it was a lot of sleep deprived laughter going on in that train. And uh, looking out the window, the scenery was, it was Austrian countryside, but this time, uh, as opposed to the uh, sunny, warm September version that I had seen before, it was uh, covered in snow, which was a nice treat, because it made everything look like a Christmas card, all these little Austrian towns. And uh, we approached the mountains, and it got more and more spectacular, and I, yeah, it brought back uh, feelings uh, from winter in Tahoe when I was living there with its snow-covered slopes and little cabins. It was very nice feelings. And the winter school itself, uh, it was pretty enjoyable aside from the actual academic part, I would say. Um, each day started with breakfast and then a seminar, 
then it was lunchtime, and then you had more seminars, like a long block of seminars, and then a coffee break, then dinner, and then maybe one short little seminar, little speech maybe, and then free time, which gave us a chance to use the saunas at the hotel, which I was really excited about, and it was really nice um, at the hotel we were staying at. And then that led then to an evening of drinking and socializing with the fellow first-year students uh, and uh, at the partner university. So uh, the way that this program is structured, there's six partner universities for the the European side of things. There's other uni um, universities outside the EU, but um, it the the program is based in um, Leipzig University in Germany, and includes also the University of Ghent in Belgium, uh, Roskilde in Denmark, University of Vienna in Austria, the London School of Economics in the UK. And, um, and then University of Wrocław, which is the one I'm in for my first year. And so we got to communicate and uh, discuss how everything was at the other universities. And it seems, it seemed like I'm in the right place. The, um, the, the students had uh, complaints that they had a lot of reading and they haven't had much free time at all. And it didn't really, they, they were really uh, it's groups, but not like we were, like we were very tight group and it just seemed like we had they they, they would tell us I, I people would come up and tell me that my group the Wrocław group seemed to always be smiling and laughing and uh, that's that's a good thing to have I guess definitely not a bad thing uh, but I will be going to the University of Leipzig next year and maybe I'll be working harder at that time but uh, anyway there were for this winter school there was five main workshops that everyone had to take their pick of, and uh, I kind of gambled and lost on this one. The uh, The topic for my workshop was the compression of space-time in the globalization process. And uh, it sounded cool, but um, it turned out like it was like this. It was led by this visiting professor, this Italian guy, um, teaches at University of Melbourne. Uh, and he started off with a two and a half hour reading of the main arguments, basically in an essay format. He would just read it and uh, it was pretty exhausting, but the real torture began when we had to start working on our presentation. So we had to synthesize this information, put our input in, and the next day put uh, deliver a presentation to the whole group, which is about 80 people, I think. So at first nobody wanted to take charge and I, I hadn't done the reading, so I got up and <laughs> I started delegating responsibility because I thought, we've got to just get this done, knock this out. Um, so I thought, okay, we can have, we have 15 minutes, and if we divide it into four sections with four groups working on each section, then we can just sort this out with roughly you know, three, three and a half minutes um, for speaking roles. And it worked out fine until we finally presented it to the professor who had initially indicated a more flexible approach up to us, you know, to this presentation. And then he decided uh, to express only at the end, at that point, that he wanted it his way and that we had to reorganize a whole bunch of the presentation to reflect this, uh, his vision. And there was uh, this really shitty moment where we had to, um, we were still working and we could hear everyone else starting dinner already in the other room 
and it was this moment when I realized that you don't really appreciate freedom until you're detained, which I, I really felt because I couldn't leave if I wanted to. Um, I had to stay with my group, I had to work on this project, and everybody else kind of felt the same. Um, and so I had you know, kind of a bad mood uh, that evening, but I went to the sauna to sweat it all out before going to get drinks, and it ended up turning out fine. I'm reminded of the thought that came to me when I was at the Primavera Sound Festival in Barcelona back in 2014, when it, it rained early in the day, and then when I was waiting for the, another act to come up in the afternoon, the sun came out, and... Um, I thought that when I when I look back at this time, I'm going to remember the sunshine and forget the rain, and uh, and even just a week after the fact, uh, I remember the tremendous fun I had with all the people in the program and gorging myself at meal times and relaxing at the sauna in the hotel. And all in all, it was a really nice winter weekend in the Alps, uh, in Austria. Uh, it's a good way to think about it. I think, instead of thinking about the <laughs> the really boring seminars. Um, on the last day, we just we had breakfast and then uh, took the train back to Vienna. Most people had class the next day, so um, they went back to Wrocław early uh, in the day, but my friend Gwantza and I had the whole day in Vienna, so we, we walked around a bit more. Uh, it was a bit more random. We didn't have a guide this time because Peter uh, wasn't available. He was quite busy that day. Ended up seeing him later because I was staying with him that night, but um, during the day he wasn't available. So um, we ended up going to the Leopold Museum, which is one of the main museums in Vienna, which has the biggest collection of works by Egon Schiele, who is one of the major Austrian artists. And he's one of the early examples of expressionism and later was influenced by Gustav Klimt, who years ago I saw his stuff at uh, Schloss Belvedere, also in Vienna, and uh, and also influenced by this uh, the so-called Viennese Secession movement. And his work is uh, it's mostly figurative representations of uh, human bodies. Um, he does some uh, really beautiful landscapes and. Uh, paintings in that area, but it's this kind of uh, human, the uh, paintings and drawings of bodies that he's most famous for. And it's very, I guess in a way, I would say earthy. It's, uh, it's you got somehow both exaggerated, but at the same time realistic, and, uh, and it's often erotic um, depictions of uh, nude females and males. Um, it's it's sometimes very controversial. He got into a lot of trouble before, uh, actually legal trouble for um, depicting uh, nude bodies. And uh, there's actually a nice film about him uh, called Egon Schiele. I think it came out last year. But uh, yeah, it's it, check it out, and uh, you'll get a you'll get a nice sense of that time period and. Uh, and, and how freaky of a guy this uh, Egon Schiele was. Um, afterwards, we walked around the city at night and admired the Christmas lights everywhere and the just general Christmassy atmosphere with the, the smell of spices in the air and the, the cold bite of winter. And there was also some snow, which gave a real 
proper Christmas feeling in that regard. And um, we, we passed by Cafe Central, which um, is really interesting. We didn't go in, but it's famous for the people who used to hang out there in the early 20th century. People used to just uh, go and discuss all kinds of topics, but it's very interesting. Um, in the summer of 1913, you had Sigmund Freud, uh, Joseph Stalin, Leon Trotsky, uh, Joseph Tito, and, and Adolf Hitler. Um, they all used to hang out there, and I would think that it's likely that a couple of them had some sort of interaction during this time when they would go hang out at this cafe. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about, uh, potentially Sigmund Freud meeting, uh, discussing something with Hitler or or Stalin and Hitler. It, it, you couldn't make that up. It's stuff that happened at that time was, was just really mind-boggling to think about. Um, and the next day I, I got up early and, and actually recorded a podcast with Pete, which will be next week's episode, actually. Um, and then I hopped on the bus to go back to Poland. I had a short transfer in Katowice and had a chance to check out their nice Christmas market just down the street from the from the bus station. Uh, they had actually it was cool. I had they had a small horn section playing Christmas music while I was walking around. So that was really lucky. It was like a special event that I think it was Advent, the evening of Advent. I think that's the sixth of December, fifth of December. Yeah, I don't know what whichever some special. Christmas thing that we don't really celebrate in the U.S., but they do here in Europe. But uh, it was a lucky situation that I got to see that. Um, but all the, the buses were right on time, and I, I got back to Wrocław uh, right when I should have. And all in all, it was a good trip. I'd like to go back to Vienna when it's warm uh, in the spring or so, because I hear the atmosphere on the Donau Canal. Like, I guess Danube in English, Danube Canal. It's Danube River in English. Um, it's really nice, I hear, and I want to see the gardens and the, the vineyards, maybe, when it's, it's nice and toasty outside during the spring, potentially the summer. Um, yeah, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed my ramblings on my trip to Austria, and the show will be back next week with a guest. It'll be my friend Pete Potzleitner. A native Austrian, my first Austrian on fun but diplomacy. Um, during, uh, he, he was also my host uh, during my time in in Vienna. So, thanks for listening, and tune in next week to the Fun Boat Diplomacy podcast. Mm -hmm.